welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, Open My Eyes, Bible Reading. Join us in Psalm chapter 119, verses 17 through 24. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Take out your Bible and um, turn with me to Psalm 119. Last week, I told you I was going to focus, as we end up the summer, we launch into the school year, I was going to focus on prayer and Bible reading. Really simple things. You could say, oh, these are the ABCs of, you know, being a Christ follower and the ABCs of church and all these things. I don't need to know this. No, it is not true. You do. Um, uh, we, need to, um, we need to really focus on this. And I want to read it first, and I want to give you some some insights today because we're going to focus on the Bible reading part today. But Psalm 119, and I I want you to start in verse 17. Start in verse 17. Let's read it together. I'll just review these verses and then um, we'll draw the truth out of the text some more today. Psalm 119, starting in verse 17, says, Be kind to your servant, then I will live and keep your instructions. Open my eyes so I can truly see the marvelous things in your law or your word. That's the verse I was focusing on, verse 18. Verse 19, I am a resident foreigner in this land. Do not hide your commands from me. I desperately long to know your regulations at all times. You reprimand arrogant people. Those who stray from your commands are doomed. Spare me shame and humiliation, for I observe your rules. The rulers plot and slander me. Your servant meditates on your statutes. Yes, I find delight in your rules. They give me guidance. Verse 25. I collapse in the dirt. Revive me with your word. I told you about my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Help me to understand what your precepts mean. Then I can meditate on your marvelous teachings. This is just a glimpse, just a small glimpse into this brilliant chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible right here. And uh, again, I I haven't done a lot of historical context. I haven't done a lot of technical teaching about the psalm itself. I'm not going to do that in this because uh, it's brilliant. It's it's Hebrew poetry. English doesn't do it justice. If you'll just do a little study, you'll find it's an acrostic in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's magnificent, and it takes a little bit of work to understand it. But what you can extrapolate or draw from this psalm, no doubt God's word is really important to the writer. We don't know exactly who wrote, who wrote it. Lots of people think David, King David wrote it. But it doesn't say for sure, but it is brilliant. Focus on that verse, verse 18, just for one second longer, right? Verse 18, open my eyes so I can truly see the marvelous things in your law or your word. I said last week, the word law is Torah, meaning teachings. Open, think of, think of it, open my eyes is what he's pleading for. Open my eyes, God, so I can truly see the marvelous things in your teachings. They're all laid out there in your word. Now, we found last week um, prayer was a big deal, and I want to review that, but I do want to read a quote from A.W. Tozer. 
Um, he's a sort of a heady old guy who, uh, I, can I say this without some of you being offended? He kind of, the way he writes, it's like he's talking in the King James language. But listen to him because you can, you can draw truth from what he says. It's really, it's, this is the heart of what he, he writes this book called um, The Pursuit of God. And how do you pursue God? He says, oh God, quicken to life every power within me that I may lay hold of eternal things. Open my eyes that I may see. Give me acute spiritual perception. Enable me to taste thee and know that thou art good. Enable me to do that, right? Make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. And this is after he's spent all this time saying, listen, if God's word is not important to you, you're never gonna see it. So can, can we just review last week just a little bit? Because one of my main points was that prayer and reading God's word is connected. You can't separate them. And it may seem very simple, but as you launch into the school year, I think that there are disciplines that we need in our life that will transform us, that God has designed or he has assigned to us, that if we don't take advantage of it, we're just going to be blind. There is no doubt we're going to be blind. Prayer and reading your Bible connects you or enables you to see God in all of his glory. And if you don't engage in that way, which takes some discipline, then you're going to be blind. Actually, three things we saw in, 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 in that centerpiece verse last week, they were the word of God is crucial for purity in our life in Christ. Purity. And, and it just means focused on uh, reflecting the image of God and the image of Christ and who we have been designed to be. Prayer and the word of God is crucial for pr uh, purity, but in particular, the word of God. Now, I know we talked about prayer last week, but you have, like I said, they're, they're connected. So, so keep going. Uh, the, the second thing that we found is that we cannot see the marvelous things in the word. We can't see the teachings and understand them and get our arms around them without God's help. So the word's critical to seeing who God is and giving us light and direction, illuminating, just charting our path, making sense of the world. And, and number two, we can't see those, these marvelous things in the word without God's help. So number three, we need to pray for God to help us see these things because they unlock the power of the word in our life. Most people just need a little bit of a plan. That's what I find. We just need a plan. If, if life is in upheaval, if your kids are, you know, whatever, your marriage, your, you know, there, there's dysfunction somehow in your family, and you, or you just can't make sense of the world, I'm telling you, the power of the word can only be unlocked if you pray to God and ask for him uh, for help. Because sometimes you're just reading it and you're like, ah, this doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so last week we focused on prayer and our desperate need for God's supernatural illumination, so to speak. To see spiritual things, to see God's depth and his glory and his brilliance and his greatness. Why? Why would we care about that? You can see many things when you come to the word of God without God opening your eye, the eyes of your heart. You can see the words and language and 
construction of, of the language. You can see the logical connections. You can see historical facts. You can see the author's intention. You can see some human emotion. None of that requires that God open your eyes in some spiritual, special way. But what you cannot see is the spiritual depth of God, actually who he really is, his son and their work in the world. Lots of people know about God. I would say less people actually know God, right? A blind person cannot see the sun, though they can know lots of facts and things about the sun and even pass a test in astronomy with a score higher than a person who can actually see the sun. That's possible. Knowing about and knowing by sight are not the same. Knowing that honey is sweet is different than tasting honey, right? It's totally different. Let me read this again, Paul's unbelievable, full description, I think, of our condition, the human condition, apart from God's special saving understanding. He, he writes to the uh, church in Ephesus, the Ephesians, in chapter 4, in just two verses, verses 17 and 18. Listen to what he says. He says, so I see this and insist in the Lord. I'm insisting in the Lord. This is really strong language that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. You know, in the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. He's not saying they're dumb. He's saying they're blind. They can't see it. Paul, he, he, if, if you focus on that verse for just a minute, he mentions five traits, five things in the human condition that ensure that we need divine intervention if we are to see spiritual reality. And do we need to know what is real in our world right now and real spiritually? Yes. He says that the Gentiles, in other words, who are the Gentiles? In other words, let me put it like this, the ordinary people of the world, of our world, apart from grace. That's everybody apart from being saved by, um, through grace, right? They live in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, alienated or excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, because of sin, right? So, so can I say it like this? I just kind of redid this verse so that it, it's like in the first person. We, Ephesians 4, 17, we are darkened in our understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us due to the hardness of our hearts. <clears throat> Let me just stand on it one more time. What if we read it backwards? Reading it backwards, you can say that there is in all of us, apart from the grace of God, a hardness of heart that leads to ignorance, that leads to alienation from God, that leads to darkness, that leads to futility of knowledge of life and just futile thinking. So, last week's point, think of it, 
if there's any hope of our seeing the marvelous things in the word of God, you know, all that unbelievable teaching that God has an instruction and guidance that he has for us, we'll have to have divine supernatural capacity given to us by God that we don't have by nature. Just naturally, we don't have it. And so we have to pray for it. Open my eyes, God. Open my eyes. And if we want to stay connected to God, alive, intentionally being real and authentic and intense in our love for him, we must be desperate to have this every single day. Every single day. It's got to be a part of our life. So that's why we must pray. We must pray Psalm 119 and see how many times, just read through Psalm 19, see how many times he prays for God to help him in knowing just who God is and what his ways are, his ways, right? So uh, my next point is just, I'm just going to title it Reflecting the Glory. Today I have a different point to make. Okay, it's a little different. It's kind of along the same lines. But before I say what it is, I just want to make sure that you realize why it's such a big deal, why it's so important, why it's so vital or critical or invaluable. It's important because being transformed in the image of Jesus happens by seeing the depth and the worth and the excellence of God and his son and their work in the world. Really have to see God. Really. Remember, there's a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing him. Having truly seen him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul, Paul says this. And we all, with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, the, from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, this is the only way... For the follower of Christ to change behavior so that it honors and reflects the heart of God. It's the only way. We change because we've seen a superior, brilliant elegance and worth. Excellence, the excellence of God. If you look into the face of Jesus and then look into the glamour and everything that the world has to offer or our culture has to offer, and you're not moved by the, the, the depth and the beauty and the worth and the excellence and the desirability of Christ, then you're still hard and blind and futile in your thinking. We must, we have to. It's critical to cry out, open my eyes so I can see the marvelous things in your word. In your scripture, in the teaching, in the New Testament, in the Didache, the body of teaching that is all about the story of who God is. And here's the thing. If you cry out, God will open your eyes and your life will show it. You know, the place where your treasure is is the place where you most want to be and you end up being. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know that verse? Where your treasure rests, that's where your heart is. 
What are you treasuring? What do you value? Right? And your hobbies, by the way, reflect that. Your weekends, the money and resources God has given you to steward. We are changed by seeing the glory of God and the word of God. If God is not more glorious to you and more compelling and desirable to you than the luster and the glory of the world around you, you haven't seen him. You haven't. I know that's hard truth. Maybe you're going, maybe I haven't really seen him. Because there's a lot of things I really, really love. I get it. It's a daily habit. John is so, oh, he's so wise. I just love the way John writes. First John chapter 3, verse 6, he says, Everyone who resides in him, who just lives, their residence is in him, is in God, does not sin. Everyone who sins has neither seen him nor knows him. I mean, that's, that's truth, isn't it? Third John, chapter 11, he says, dear friend, I like this, dear friend, do not imitate what's bad, but what's good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does what is bad has not seen God, because when you see God, I mean see him, he changes you, he transforms you, he makes you new. He regenerates you. And you're never the same. So all of this is important because all true life change that honors the heart of God and has a spiritual work to it comes from seeing the glory of God, not from making religious lists, you know, of behaviors and trying to copy them and just, you know, that kind of thing. See, God reveals the magnificence of Jesus through his word. That's how he does it, through the word. That's why prayer and the word of God cannot be separated. They are highly connected. The truth from the text is this. God shows the depth and excellence of Jesus only to those who look or see into the word of God. Only to them. So if you're depending on me to show you, I can only show you part way. It's got, you, you have to see it for yourself. I can't do it for you. This is why true spiritual change comes from reading and considering and meditating and memorizing the Bible. It's not because you learn rules to obey. It's because that is the place where the Lord reveals the glory and the excellence of Jesus. That's where he reveals who he is. Now, if you know me, you have observed maybe in an uncomfortable time where it appears that I get agitated when your Bible isn't important to you. Right? And when I say, take out your Bible, there should be a of page flipping in my view, or at least a bunch of people with their thumbs going like this, trying to find it through their apps. And I'm good with that. That's, that's what has to be necessary. The Bible's got to be, it's, it, it shouldn't just be like a vacuum cleaner attachment that you put on and whatever when you need stuff. It should be... hidden in your heart. It should be stored in your heart. It's so, so familiar with you that you are, you feel like something's not right when it's not with you, when you're not connected to it because it is God's heart, right? 
The point is, God opens the eyes of the blind to see the depths of the glory of God in his word when they're looking into his word. If you're not looking into his word, you can't see it. You'll never see the depths of teachings. You won't be able to get your arms around it. And you, and you have no chance of, of storing it up in your heart. You're not going to see the marvels of the Grand Canyon if you insist on living and staying by the beaches of, of South Carolina. And they're pretty cool. No matter how much you pray. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? Oh. It's an unbelievable place. You know, the south rim of the Grand Canyon, I've been there at times and taken my family where we've gotten out. We had to fight for our parking space to watch the sun go down over the Grand Canyon just to see all the reflections. It is amazing. You know, I never dreamed it would be like this, but when we were out there, there were more than 100,000 people watching the sun go down on a Friday night at the Grand Canyon. It was, it's staggering. Like you're just fighting for a place and a rock to sit on just to see it. It's unbelievable. People get their cameras out. It's, it's amazing. And they don't all speak English. They're coming from all across the planet to see that. It's, a, it's unbelievable. So much so that when it actually happens, you hear a rumble like you would at a, a sporting event. A cheer and a clap when it happens, it is magnificent. That's how glorious it is. I know lots of people who've lived in Arizona a long time, never been there, never seen it. It's kind of sad. If you've never been, you should go. You must go. It's too hot. Go. I think you should hike down into it, actually. I think you should ride the mules. Be careful, they bite. Ah, one of the worst experiences ever. I got bit by a mule going down the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I know. Just riding the... I feel like God did that so I could tell you this story. Uh, changed my kid's life. <laughs> Not the biting part, but the tr it's magnificent. Going down these precarious little, oh, unbelievable. But you're never going to see the marvels of the Grand Canyon unless you, unless you go, unless you engage. Let me say it another way. God has assigned that the eye-opening work of his Holy Spirit always be combined with the infusion and the injection, the injecting work of his word. They're always combined. His heart is that we see the depths and the glory of his son, Jesus Christ, and be transformed. So he opens our eyes when we see the son, when we see Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the word always goes together in God's way of true spiritual Enlightenment or self-revelation. The Holy Spirit's work is to show the glory and the depth and the value and the, and, the, and the unbelievable worth and treasure of what the mind sees in the word. You see, we must not make the mistake of thinking that what we need from God's Holy Spirit is some new information, by the way. Huh? We already have so much information about God in the Bible that we can barely get our arms around it. We need to see with the eyes of our hearts. 
And unless you turn it to the word and see with the eyes of your heart, you're not going to see any of this. There's, there's no depth. You're going to still be, you're just going to be very immature when it comes to the Bible. You're never going to see Jesus of Nazareth crucified and risen to save sinful people like you and I. You won't ever see it. It'll just be a story that you know about. It's not new information we need. It's new eyes to see what's been revealed to us in God's word. So we have to pray. And by the way, focus now. Is it, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm just like anybody else. Have you ever started praying and then you're like, huh, and you fell asleep <laughs> or other things like that? I want to give you a clue to not doing that. I want to draw out some implications here of prayer and focus just for a minute. Because the first is that when you pray for eyes to see, you mustn't just drift into neutral. It's really easy to do, and it's really easy to start praying about all of your junk and, and treat the Lord like Santa Claus, and then you just kind of, I don't know. Don't assume that the brilliance of prayer means that there's not a need for real focus and focused thought on the Word of God. So they go together. Your Bible and prayer should be with you when you pray. When you pray to see the glory of Jesus, don't coast mentally. Don't wait and do nothing. It's a mistake. And I say, if you're having trouble, have you ever prayed on your knees before? That's amazing. When you're on your knees, how focused you can stay. Why? Kind of uncomfortable. But it reflects, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's a posture that, wow, changes everything, I think. What is unique about following Jesus is that it is historical and specific. Jesus lived in a time and a place. God's design is to open your eyes to see the spiritual depth and value of him, just as he revealed in the word. So if we pray to see it, but mentally just coast and drift from it, then we're going to not see it. So don't pray and just kind of check out and, and, and be flipping about it. I think you got to be intentional and focused. And God's word helps you do that. And I think you have to set aside time. What, what would happen? What would happen? Think about this. If everybody who called themselves Veil Christian Church, what would happen if every single person for two solid months, 60 days, committed to and actually followed through with not drinking soda for 60 days? What would happen? Not diet soda? Not any sugary carbonated drinks? What would happen? I, th I think it would change us as a church. Some of you might need to go to rehab after. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 there would be a period of time where you're, you're like going through withdrawals. I think it would change you. I think people would be healthier. I think you, lots of you would just lose a few pounds, right? What would happen? What would happen if Veiled Christian Church and everybody here all right, what would happen if for 60 days you just absolutely could not eat any fast food, but you had to eat dinner together around the dinner table with your family seven days a week? And Chipotle is still fast food. <laughs> what would, I think it would change your family. I think it would radically change your family. I know it would. 
what if the only place that you could go grocery shopping was the Sprouts grocery store? You know that really healthy food place? I feel like I have to take my shoes off when I go in there. Like socks and everything. I'm just walking barefoot and then I feel like I fit in. It's it's just healthy whatever in there, right? What what if that was the only place you could buy groceries? I think it would change you. Just for 60 days, you'd be like, man, I got to buy. What if for 60 days, everybody at Vail Christian Church, including your children, I don't know, might be difficult. For 15 minutes, you had to get on your knees and pray. And then open God's word up for 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, every single day for 60 days. What would happen? Do you think it would change you? I don't think I know it would change you. It would change you. I don't know if I can fit that all in and whatever. I mean, no helps, no like daily bread devotion guides and stuff like that. You just got to get on your knees and pray. And read God's word. What would happen? Radical things would happen. Here we go. What then? Number one, pray and read. Pray and read. Read the word. It's a privilege. It's an obligation. And there's such a potential for seeing God. Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, that by revelation the divine secret was made known to me, Paul says, as I wrote before briefly when reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into the secret of Christ. When you read God's heart, um, that is the greatest divine secret of life, will be revealed through reading Number two, pray and study. 2 Timothy 2.15, make every effort to present yourself before God as a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth accurately. What does this mean? This means work at the word if you want the most from it. Work at it. Work at it. You got to stop watching the videos and work at it, right? We must study and act to accurately handle the word of God. And we must pray or we will not see in the word the thing that we need most, the depth and the glory of God. Praying can't replace studying because Paul says, make every effort, study so you can handle the word of God accurately. You have to study. It's not just me that has to study. I have to set aside an entire day to study And then I I usually have a half day towards the end of the week where it's just study. And it can be the most familiar passages, but you have to study if you want to draw the depth and the glory of God out of it. How about this? Pray and search. Pray and search. That's number three. Our approach to the Bible should be that we seek out God in the Bible. We're looking for him. Proverbs chapter 2. This is awesome. Um, group of verses, about six verses there. It says, my child, if you receive my words and store up my commands within you, right? How do you do that? Well, you're probably going to have to memorize them. By making your ear attentive to the wisdom, by turning your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for discernment, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you'll understand how to feel the Lord. And you'll discover the knowledge about God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see this? Receive, store up, be attentive, turn your heart to understanding, call out, raise your voice, seek it like silver. 
Search for it like hidden treasure. <clears throat> you know, lots of people, um, that they'll text me, they'll send me an email, they'll even call me. And this is, this is, this is what happens. And I'm, I'm super happy to do it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, and I'm not trying to shame anybody. But lots of people say, hey, I got this friend. And you know what comes next? You got any Bible verses? And it's my friend's dying, or they're sick, or my kid's desperately in trouble, or they're, man, I don't know what's happened. This person's falling off the deep end. You got any verses that could help me? And I'm happy to give them. I got them. I got them. You can call me anytime, and I'll give them to you. But it is a little sad for me that they're not already stored up in your heart, you know? And when some crisis, some terrible thing happens, you're like, you're looking for the truth. You know it's there. You know it's there, and you know that probably Pastor Ben can get them. And I'm great with that, as it should be. If I can't get them, it's, come on. I get it. People call me all the time for counsel, as it should be, and some guidance and some wisdom. And I usually say, well, listen, I got no magic beans or pills. I, I, I don't have any of that. I can give you the truth, and I can give you the Bible verses. Did you know, it seems like I've been seeing this a lot, that silver, um, that, that you're, it's like everybody's being encouraged to invest in precious metals, including, in, in particular, silver. Silver is like outperforming in, um, in uh, interest and, you know, value gold for some reason. I see all kinds of advertisements. You should invest in silver. The dollar, invest in silver. Why would he say something like this? Look, this searching the Bible for all it's worth. If there's hidden treasure, act like it. If there's silver there, act like it. Pray. Don't be, don't, don't substitute prayer for searching. God has assigned to us to search and to seek with all our hearts God's word. How about pray and consider? That's number four. 2 Timothy 2.7. Think about what I'm saying, and the Lord will give you understanding of all of this. Like ponder, meditate, consider, focus. See, does this mean that understanding Paul's teaching, you know, like he's saying, is simply a human natural enterprise of thinking? No. The end of the verse says, the Lord will give you understanding, and it's not you who can see it on your own. Spiritual comprehension or apprehension is a gift of God. Consider or think and pray. This is the way God has set it up. Historic, a historical Christ, a book that is preserved, brings about revelation. It's God's plan. You cannot disconnect it. You have to be in God's word. How about number five? Pray and tell. Pray and talk about it. Pray and speak about it. What God wants the written word to become the spoken word in teaching, explaining, preaching, warning, encouraging, and counsel of his people. That's why you got to store it up in your heart. So you got those resources of those Bible verses for yourself and anybody else. So, the word of Jesus, the word of Christ, the word of God to us becomes our word to each other. It's one of the foundational, fundamental reasons for community groups in the church, in our church. Because we need each other to rub shoulders with each other, Right? Pray and tell. Colossians 3.16, let the 
word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, all with grace in your hearts to God. Prayer and the word cannot be disconnected. They have to be connected. So we've seen over and over, prayer is vital, prayer is critical. If we want to see the depth and the glory of God and the word of God, but we have also seen that reading and studying and searching and considering and telling and talking about and listening to the word, they're also very necessary, aren't they? God has assigned that the eye-opening work of his Holy Spirit always be combined with the mind-injecting or informing work of his word. His heart is that we see the depth of the glory and the beauty of God and that we reflect that glory of God. So he opens our eyes when we are seeing the glory of God in his word and you cannot see it unless you're in the word. So read, study, search, consider, tell, listen, and pray. Sounds like the ABCs. Just look through Psalm 119 and see how often the poet, the songwriter, this brilliant guy says, God, I need your help. I need to know your word, your teachings. They're going to give me guidance. Open my eyes so I can truly see the marvelous things in your word Father, thank you that we um, are about to start school again, get into some routine. We're headed back. All of our families, all of our life, everybody around us all needs a significant reminder of how critical this is. To be on our knees, searching the scriptures so that we can store up this truth in our hearts. We, we need it to navigate God. So it's our prayer, Lord, that you would open our eyes so we could see. The world around us desperately needs us to explain who Jesus is. Help us to be ready to work at it so that we can, so that we can do it. Lord, you're in charge of the saving. We can't do any of that. But you've given us a mission and you've included us. It's our purpose. And your word reveals exactly the depth of who you are and transforms and changes us. Help us understand we cannot disconnect this from our lives. Teach us to be disciplined in our prayer and in our Bible reading. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like to know more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.failchristian.com.